Welcome to the Truth to Power podcast. I am Curious G. This week, we have something special going on. So, on this episode, we're going to be digging in a little bit to the topic of sex. If you listened to the song Shove last week, maybe you noticed it touched on a few things like sex and intimacy. So, as a dude, an old dude, I kind of felt like we might need the female perspective. So this week, I made an attempt to get a couple of ladies involved. And the first lady we have is my friend, Phoenix. How you doing over there, Phoenix? I'm doing good. Are you rising? I'm rising always. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to just jump right into this song, Shove. Here's my first thing. Has this age of digital connection created spiritual disconnection? Yeah. Um, definitely. Um, you know, when I'm out in public, I see everyone looking at their phones. Meanwhile, we could be looking eye to eye. We could be connecting with what's around us instead we're connecting to our phones. And I think it's very interesting when you look down at your phone, you see yourself. Hmm. You're looking at when you do uh, social media, you're pers- you're making somebody, you're making, how would I say this? You're making yourself something more important. I messed up. You can mess up, <laughs> but I will say. I'm trying to explain myself. It's not working. No, you, you're coming across clear. In fact, you, you came out the fucking gate with a point. <laughs> Holy shit. But, you know, I'm going to bring in a point that you might not realize. You need to move a little bit closer to the mic. Don't be afraid of that motherfucker. That (laughs) motherfucker is your friend. That microphone is your friend. (laughs) Say hello, microphone. Hello, microphone. On the other end of that microphone, there's some people, and they want to hear what Phoenix has to say. So I I think, you know, we actually got into this topic at at one point very recently. Um, Last week, we had a song called Emptiness Filled. And one of the things we talked about was um, in Greek mythology, narcissists. Are you familiar with the narcissist story? Yes, I am. So I think that there is a a little bit of narcissism that happens with, with our social media, you know? Definitely. We're, we're so instantly connected and you ha, tell the audience how old you are. So they 22, you're 22. My old ass ain't nowhere near 22 <laughs> at 22. We didn't have the complications that your age has. Do you think yes. it's easier or harder having social connections at 22 in your life than it was with mine? Personally, I'm not a fan of like social media. I'm not really on it. And the reason is, is because it's harder to connect on there. You're posting. It's more about your ego. It's about narcissists. It's about yourself and what you're doing and how great your life is. And it's not really used to connect with people, even that's what we call it. And when you walk out and try to meet somebody in real life, they don't know how to connect. They don't know how to look you in the eye. They don't know how to have a conversation because it's all liking and disliking and swiping left and swiping right. And you never actually get to know the person that's behind the phone. They're pro- they're projecting an image of themselves, but they're not actually showing you who they are. 
So how can you connect with that? That's a good point. That's a good point. So in my, in my age, in fact, I'm going to compare my age with my grandmother's, right? Um, this, this particular topic is about sex. So we're, we're touching on social media, but I think that in your age group, um, sex and social media are somewhat connected. Um, Definitely. If I could go back to my grandmother, right? I don't even know what fucking year she was born. My mother was born in 1940 fucking two. So I'm going to think that my grandmother was born around 30 years different, right? So she was probably born like 1912. Old as fuck, right? Um, in her time, they probably had the talk about sex with a parent, Okay. So it was usually, I would assume the parent that kind of gave them any kind of instruction. I don't know what those instructions were probably in 1912, <laughs> right? They probably yeah. weren't too, they probably didn't Advanced. go into blow jobs. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. All right, baby, listen up. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about sucking dicks. <laughs> you know? That, that probably didn't happen, but the parent probably did have those conversations and, and prepared, you know, the, the kids, because they didn't have television or none of that shit, right? Yeah. Um, sex probably wasn't in their face as much as it was in your face growing up. Yeah. <laughs> you had a couple siblings in the house, right? You had yeah. um, stepsisters. Yes. That were, what, six years older was the, six years older, was yeah. the youngest one, right? Um, and seven years older than that. So- you had a couple that was hitting dating age about the time that you were, you know, six, seven years old. Yeah. Do you remember when they started getting into boys? I tried not to be around them, <laughs> um, but I remember hanging out with their friends. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in I think in in my age growing up, we didn't have the talk of sex with our parents. Most of us, a lot of us, a lot of times my age group, the, the parents would let the school take care of it. Mm-hmm. And today there's sex education in schools. Um, yeah. Did you have sex education in school? Yeah, I guess you could call it that. <laughs> hmm. What was your opinion of the schools handling that shit? Um, <laughs> they didn't really go into anything. Um, they tried to tell us about STDs and you know, safe sex practices, but they didn't talk about anything else than that. Mm. Um, they didn't talk about everything else that goes along with sex. And I think that's what's important about getting the talk from parents or people that are connected to you because in school, they're just going to try to fear you, uh, put fear in you and try to make sure that there's not, you know, more of them to teach, you know, Mm. in 20 years. Um, but you know, in a classroom setting with when you're 14, you're going through all of those emotions anyways. And most likely the person that you have feelings for is sitting in the class next to you. So you don't really feel comfortable asking questions and you get made fun of if you ask the wrong questions. And so you never really get to know about any of the things that actually happen during sex or anything around it. Cause it's not just sex, right? You have the, the emotional and the spiritual connection when you have sex with somebody or you choose not to, but those things aren't really talked about in school. You know, you, know? you know what's really interesting? You just said a spiritual connection. I actually believe that there is a spiritual connection in the act of sex. And 
one of the things that I actually discovered doing my research this week, um, and I didn't know this before, when when people are having sex, their brain waves will actually synchronize. Yeah. Their heartbeats will synchronize. Yeah. Their <laughs> breathing will synchronize. Yeah. It's a I connection. mean, if it lasts that long, right? <laughs> like, you gotta, you gotta last more than 30 seconds. You gotta give yeah. it some time to get there. You know what I mean? That's true. I used to tell my wife as a joke all the time. I used to say, listen, baby, I can guarantee you in 30 seconds, a screaming orgasm. <laughs> and if you hurry, you can get one too. <laughs> Sounds like most guys. <laughs> well, she used to laugh at that shit, but you know, I think that I think it is spiritual. Yeah. I really do. Um, I think that if we're missing out on the spiritual connection, we're missing out on it. Definitely. Definitely. I don't really qualify it as good sex if there isn't a spiritual connection. Yeah. So actually, this this particular song, Shove, is um, one of the oldest bit of lyrics I have. Money is the only one that's older than this. Um, which came out on the first album, but here we are in the second album. And and Shove was something I wrote at the end of a marriage. I was married for a couple of years, um, and she left one day, just didn't want to be my wife anymore. She said, you know, goodbye, that type of thing. And I think that there was some problems before she just decided to walk out. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was there was something going on. Um, and one of the one of my favorite lyrics in this song. Um, it says, and I felt like when, when her and I first met, let's just say we were both, um, party animals. We were young, you know, we like to party. We like to smoke weed. We like to drink, you know, Mm -hmm. and a few other things, but (laughs) you know, it was like mushrooms and stuff like that. We were, we were young and experimenting and, you know, we actually, um, we had a baby and we got very sober you know, like we got very sober. We didn't have the money for it because the baby actually took a lot of our finances. So we had $25 a week that we could spend on on party favors. And what we used to do is every Friday night, we'd get a little bag of weed, maybe something to drink, and we'd clean the house. Naked. <laughs> <laughs> By the time the house was clean, we was a little fucked up. And then some things would happen, you know what I mean? Um, but but somewhere along the line, we we stopped talking, we stopped having these conversations. So so this is like some of my favorite lyrics in this song. Uh, the way we came so far, we blended into normal. Seemed like it was in the dark that the fear controlled her. Let me in, cause I'm lost out here, baby. I'm getting bolder, just like intimacy when good sex is over. Was it all some face we made to face each other? Some games we played to pull some lovers. You know, that was that was kind of the feeling, the the intimacy. That was what I really wanted with this person. Um, I felt like it had dried up and disappeared. And when you're kind of going through the motions of sex, um, it can often leave us more empty <laughs> going through the motions of sex. I don't know. Definitely. Yeah. Have you ever felt that way? Like you're more empty after? I have felt that numerous of times. Yeah. Hmm. And I think in our society that, and I don't know because I'm not a woman, 
This is why I wanted a woman's perspective. I think all of us at times, and I think more so with women, I really don't know, but it's my perception. I think more so women have will have sex maybe when they don't feel like having sex. Definitely. More <laughs> so than men, right? Yeah. Um, and this is the type of topic that never would get covered in school is that we have the right to say no. Um, we're not just doing it because maybe he won't like me anymore, that type of stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that if if... If you're growing up in a household where there's open conversations about sex, right, um, and and we we convey the idea that your body is your own, right, that you should be comfortable and ready for those things to happen. But if you can't talk about it, you know, how do you get there sexually when it's time? You know, what I mean? exactly, yeah. And and school, I don't know if it really provides the place to talk about how we feel. No, not really. Never came up? No, <laughs> never came up. Did they ever talk to you about the, the, your right to say no as a woman? Um, I mean, obviously, just like drugs and sex and all of that and bullying, you know, just say no, that kind of basic thing. Um, but with a guy, there is not, you know, most of the time they're not rapists. They're not crazy maniacs, like ripping off your clothes and you're screaming no. It's not like that at all. It's more like, I feel uncomfortable, don't do this to me. And they don't really see that you're saying that. And that comes from a lack of communication. You know, if you don't talk about things before, they don't see who you are as a person. They don't see how you're saying no. You know, with guys that I've been with, um, I've never wanted to, you know, say, no, you're gross. Because I actually really liked them. I liked the way they looked. I liked who they are. But I'm somebody that needs to get to know you a little bit. You know, so I didn't want to say, no, get the fuck off me, <laughs> you know, because then he would think, oh, this girl's, you know, doesn't like me, yeah. you know, but the way that I say no, sometimes they didn't get it or, um, you know, mm. just not right now, right now I'm not in a good place. That wasn't something that people can really understand sometimes. And so I feel like, you know, it's healthier to talk about that rather than what they talk about in school. Like, how does the the communication happen with sex, around sex, about relationships, about love, about intimacy? How does that all work? Because, you know, when with when when, you, when when you're with somebody like that, you don't want to hurt them, but at the same time, you don't want to be hurt. And so, how does that all how does that all happen? How do you have that conversation? You know, and going back to your social media thing, even now, people don't even know how to ask a conversation without sex or relationships. So, how the hell are people like me? 22 and under, how are we supposed to have a conversation about that? You know? So I, I would even say that your generation is different than mine. Um, and we'll, I'll get to your generation in a second, but today <laughs> um, there are only 24 States in the United States that will actually teach about sex education. Mm -hmm. 14 of those 24 are not even required to give accurate information. And the reason for that is because basically a lot of the religious influences in those states would rather push an agenda than accurate information. Now, you can take that for what you want. Maybe you're a religious person. Maybe, you know, for you, religion has a very strong place in this conversation. Maybe people should be having these conversations at church. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that shit. I know how I feel 
Um, I think it should be the parent. I think it should be the parent. Definitely. Even if it's uncomfortable for the parent, you know, um, I think that's the, the safest place for the, for the kid to have it. You know, that person raised you, that person knows how you communicate, you know, how, um, everything about you. So it's a safe place to talk about it and ask questions. And <laughs> the reason that we're all here is because our parents had sex, you know, so they, I feel like have some sort of responsibility in talking about it with their kid. But I feel like parents are so uncomfortable by it because of what we put out into society. You know, sex is bad. Sex is supposed to be hidden and all of that. Meanwhile, my generation, you're saying that the parents are saying that. Meanwhile, their daughters are on OnlyFans and, you know, watching porn in their fucking rooms. Like, Boom. but you're uncomfortable by having a conversation with your daughter and with your son about it when they clearly know, you know, mm, you just nailed what I was going to say. <laughs> Holy shit, this is exciting. Are y'all motherfuckers excited out there? Listen, so your generation, that's actually where I was going to go with this. Mm -hmm. I think your generation has learned about sex through porn. And the thing about porn, now you can judge it, you can love it, you can whatever. It is a form of entertainment. Yes. And entertainment is not reality. Right? Yeah. So if we are framing our views of sex and the way that sex works through this form of entertainment that is intended for adults, but it, it's very accessible to your generation. Yeah. <laughs> very accessible. How old were you when you first saw porn? 13. Holy shit. <laughs> so you're a late bloomer. <laughs> well, my parents uh, kept a pretty close eye on me. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet they did. Those motherfuckers. Um, me, I was, I was unusual, I think, for my age group. Um, I had a, a severely alcoholic mother, and I gravitated towards people that were like me. Um, when I was in third grade, I was pretty much checking out pornography. But the thing is, is and, and, and no adult like said, here you go, this is, this is what you need to read. No, I was a devious fuck. Yeah. Right. I was curious. I'm still curious. I'm curious, motherfucking G. Right. <laughs> but when I was in third grade, I remember this other kid that I was in school with. He told me, he says, my dad likes to get drunk. I said, oh, yeah. And he said, my dad's got a whole stack of Hustler magazines. And I said, oh, yeah. Now, I didn't even know what a Hustler magazine <laughs> was, but I was motherfucking curious because it felt like the way he was saying that shit, like we weren't supposed to do it intriguing it's intriguing <laughs> so i went over to his house that day it's first time i ever went over his house and he did he had a whole fucking stack of these motherfuckers and he could just walk into the closet where they were and take them and there we were in his front yard stretched down in the hood of a car flipping through hustler magazine changed my life <laughs> <laughs> see i was i never believed in the cootie conspiracy when i was young mm -hmm. i liked girls from the get-go <laughs> I got caught in um, kindergarten teaching the girls how to kiss behind the oak tree, right? <laughs> yeah, I was fucked up. I was fucked up within a football bat. But the thing is, is this is the interesting thing about Curious G. I didn't know how to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> 
the fuck? They like they're gonna catch me, right? They yeah. don't know how to kiss either. So yeah. we were. That's what we got caught doing though was kissing. Yeah, I liked girls. From the get-go. Everybody else was talking about cooties. I didn't believe that shit. I said, I don't know what they got, but I like it. You know, and in yeah. and, and third grade, I found those dirty magazines because that's what they were called back then. They were called yeah. dirty magazines, right? What I heard in my household about sex was it was filthy. I heard that our naked bodies was filthy. There was never any conversation with me about any of that stuff. And what I saw because my mother was an alcoholic and she used to take me to the bars when I was, you know, second grade, third grade, right? Um, she would make eye contact with dudes and get them to buy drinks. And I would make contact with them dudes so they would give me quarters for the pinball machine. <laughs> I'd just go over there and stand and stare at them. <laughs> What's up, player? <laughs> you know, and wear them down. Yeah. You want me to sit here? <laughs> I'm hungry. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they'd throw some quarters my way and I'd go fuck up the little, you know, $6 million man pinball machine and the bionic woman that was the shit back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I'd come back when I was out of quarters. But it was, you know, there was no topic of sex in my household. Everything I learned, I found out through either Hustler Magazine or practice. <laughs> now, as fucked up as that is, um, I wish that I had the ability to understand the intimacy side of things or the spiritual side of things. I had to figure that shit out later on. And uh, I imagine your generation is a little bit like my experience. Yeah. I'm still figuring it out, honestly. Hmm. You ever been um, in love, love? I thought I was, yeah. Mm. I'd say yes. Mm. Not in love anymore. How do you think about it now? I was... In love, but it was a toxic relationship. Um, and sex wasn't really intimate like that. Did the it was more controlling and mm. about him more than about me. Do you think that happens to a lot of girls? Definitely. Do you think the world prepares you guys for, for sex? Definitely not. Um, I think that the world and society... Um, Sex is, for women, like, we have to look good. We have to be sexy for the man. But it's never really discussed that it's about us, too. Damn right it is. And I think a lot of females are uncomfortable by how they look, about how they smell, about how they sound, about how, what positions they're in, about what they're wearing, all of that, you know. And they never actually be able to get comfortable with the guy. Um, and that makes it really hard to be intimate with that person. And I think a lot of guys don't actually realize that females feel that way um, because they're so focused on themselves. Um, and since we don't have the good communication and we're not taught about that, um, there's really no way to fix it. And I feel like that's where a lot of relationships get toxic is because the female's unsatisfied and the guy eventually becomes dissatisfied because she doesn't want to anymore or she's, you know, busy or she can't, you know, she wants to sleep that night or whatever the fuck, you know? Um, and it creates a bad relationship, you know? This is one of the, this is a couple of the things I learned in my research that when you're talking about a marriage, um, most women cheat 
when they want to get out of the marriage, right? Most men would cheat in a marriage so that they could stay in the marriage. They're trying to get sex someplace because they're not getting it, you know? Um, So it's a, it's a complicated thing. And, and what this kind of tells me is that a lot of the people that have marriages that fail, um, their sex isn't very good. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and I think we need it. I think we need it. I think it's a, I think it's a healthy release. Um, I think it's a spiritual thing. And if you're not making that spiritual connection through the act of sex, you're probably not making it with your communication. Yeah. You know, um, a few episodes ago, I don't even know how long ago it was, we talked about the difference between transactional relationships and transformable. Mm-hmm. And I think I think sex can be one of those transformable things in a relationship. But in that episode, we talked about how relationships that are really good can sometimes become transactional because people get so busy. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah. And they kind of forget why they're in it in the first place. It's just something on the checklist. It's something that they got to do. And they forget about the love and the connection they had when they first started. What I, what I've tried to do is I've tried to actually plan out times to connect, you know? Yeah. Um, because if you don't like make a plan for it, it's easy to let that thing slip away. Um, I was with Lynn for 18 years and, um, in those 18 years, we actually split up for a whole year once, but, but pretty much for 18 years. And she was somebody that had a real hard time with physical touch, but, and, and I kind of did too, in a way, but I would always go up to her at at least once or twice a day, just to hug her, you know, just to hug her and, and to let her know physically that I was here, you know, and I think it's, it's important to do things like that. I think that that's part of, um, sex, um, even though you're not like playing with the dirty bits, right? (laughs) But just to let that person know that, that your body and their body can have that connection, you know, that touch, you know, um, do you ever, do you ever, um, have that type of connection with people that isn't sexual, but it, it's that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's special, right? It is. We have to be in a good place to be able to do that. Definitely. And they have to understand your, um, you, you know, just like Lynn, she had a problem with physical touch, but when you made it a constant and you showed her that she was there, it was like baby steps into saying, Hey, I'm here. Everything's okay. You know? And I think that's really important because you understood that she had a problem with it, but you also wanted to make sure that she wasn't feeling like, you know, you didn't love her or care about her or wanted that with her. And that's, I think, a big part of recovery from having a problem with physical touch, you know, is li- the little things, the little, hey, I'm here, I love you kind of things. Right. Um, and it makes that easier to get into actual sex. But I think a lot of times people just want to rush into it. Like my generation, they see Pornhub. They want all of that entertainment kind of stuff. Right, right. And there is no um, other forms of um, intimacy shown. It's not always sexual, you know, it can lead to sexual and that's kind of the best sex, you know? Right. Right. Um, 
Hmm. So let me take this in another goddamn direction because we're going to beat this motherfucking horse to death. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So disconnection, that word, right? This is the definition. The state of being isolated or detached. The act of detaching one thing from another. You know, and I think that that state of disconnection is very true. Um, I think that when we are disconnected from one another um, and we don't have that intimacy, that's where the sex can almost be poisoned, you know? Yeah. Um, when I got out of that relationship, um, you know, some of the lyrics of that song, uh, you know, uh, face down, ass up. If our love is blind, why try to see each other? You know, I was I was tired of trying to have that spiritual connection. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. And I didn't think I could take it anymore. You know? And I was I just had this attitude of, all right, let's just smash. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um and you know, as fucked up as that is, that's that's where that's I was. That's the only form of connection that you can have with that person. And if you're hurting so much to have a form of connection, well at least you have the lowest form of connection, which is sexual. You know, that's like the last thing you can kind of hold on to in a way, you know. When I was thinking about like the topic of this show, like I, I was digging into this song. My first idea for the topic was empty sex. But then I realized that, that there was more to this song than that, you know. But I think that we live in a society and especially with social media that there's a lot of empty sex. You know, yeah. it's, it's a very selfish thing. Um, and you know, one of the things I thought about porn, it's like, let, let's say I'm a, let's say I'm a dude. <laughs> okay. Let's say <laughs> <Right>? that. It's <laughs> just for the sake of argument. <laughs> right. And, and let's say I'm a, a kid that's growing up in, in the age of social media. And my first experience is seeing sex and, 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 you know, understanding it is through pornography. Mm-hmm. You know, there's probably that other thing of masturbation that comes into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of like me, I, I watch football all the time. Right. Like I watch it on TV, but I've never been on the field when the Seahawks play. Yeah. Right. Now, if you never have that full contact experience with other people, (laughs) you think you might know a few things if you've been watching it on TV all the time, you know, and then you get right there in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Marshawn Lynch come. He hits the shit out of you. Right. (laughs) All of a sudden, that full contact sport makes your head spin. You're like, wait a minute, this ain't like it was on TV. Yeah. It's clumsy. It's um, sticky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's, and we don't know what to do. And we don't, I mean, we have, even as men, right? Yeah. We don't want to be judged, uh-huh. right? We, we want to feel the same confidence that we see on the TV. And I think it's easy for males to, um, isolate themselves, just like that definition, um, the state of being isolated or detached. Cause that's what happens when you watch a bunch of pornography, right? You can become yeah. isolated within your sexual desire. Definitely. Yeah. With my personal experience, a lot of the people that I've had sex with, a lot of them are disconnected because they've been hurt before and they don't really know how to repair themselves. And they're using sex to repair themselves which is honestly kind of just hurting them more because they're having what you call empty sex, mm. you know? You know, I, I've actually had a few friends. I have friends now 
that are, um, I'm not going to say that they're sex workers, but they kind of are. Bikini baristas, right? I've got a, I've got a couple of friends that are bikini baristas and I've got a couple of friends that have done OnlyFans. Mm. Now, uh, the friends that I have that do OnlyFans, I've never went on their OnlyFans site. I have no interest. You know what I mean? And it's not that they're not beautiful girls because they are, you know, mm. but um, A, <laughs> I don't want to see their site. Because I know them, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that might be kind of weird. Yeah. But the other thing is, is, is um, that would leave me empty. You know, that's not the kind of connection I'm looking for. Um, but it's a popular fucking thing. It is. And and what concerns me, like the, one of the girls, I'm not going to mention her name. She's doing it because her um, her dude um, is a musician, and she's wanting to support his music. And, and she does bikini barista work. And so she's a sex worker. I mean, she's not selling pussy, but she's that type of, of, of worker and she makes money at it. And it's, it's giving her access to a life that she might not have had because she can support him and his music and stuff like that. Mm. But my, my question is, is what's the long-term effects? If there's any, maybe she's just very confident in who she is. I don't know. Um, but I don't know if everybody that's doing it is going to have the ability to have healthy relationships moving forward. I don't think so because a lot of those women that I've talked to, um, they already have a twisted idea about men. And I've had a couple of my friends be like, well, you know, they do shit to us, so why not make money off of it? They're already looking at us this way, so why not make money off of it? And me, I've never done it because of my morals. I mm-hmm. believe in myself. I believe in my body. And... I'm not going to sell that for even, you know, a record, you know, putting out music or doing whatever the hell I want to do with my life. You ain't going to go Madonna. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Madonna. Oh, that motherfucking Madonna boy. Like a virgin. I ain't going to sing that shit. I can't sing that shit, but you tried Madonna. (laughs) I thought Madonna was hot when I was young, when I was like 15. Mm. Well, I, I might've been 14. I might've been 14 years old <laughs> when that motherfucker came out with like a virgin. And I thought, Ooh, I got to get me one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people had one of them or had that one yeah. specifically yeah. <laughs> for her record deal. <laughs> now, I don't know, man. Like, I think when we give away parts of ourselves, sometimes we lose part of ourselves, you know? Get that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what scares me. I've, I've given parts of myself away for other things. Um, and sex was one of them. When, when I was 21, I had my heart broken. I was with a girl for almost five years, almost got married, had my heart broken. And from 21 to 27, I was very honest with the women that I met. I would say, look, I don't want a relationship. I want to have a good time. I'm seeing other people and I don't want commitment. And, and a lot of women were okay with that, you know? Um, but what, what I realized about the time I got to be about 27 was I felt disconnected from the world, you know? Yeah. Like I was having pretty good sex and I was having a good time and I wasn't really hurting anybody, but I think I was hurting me. I was hurting me because I didn't have a, a deeper connection, you know? There was, there was moments I couldn't share with people, you yeah. know? Um, I wasn't waking up on Christmas morning and, and realizing that the person that's waking up next to me was going to be there the next year or the next day, 
you know? Yeah. And, and I, I felt an emptiness, you know? Um, and I, I, I didn't want to stay there, you know? And I started to look for love, you know? Um, and I found it, I found it. Um, and I found it with the woman that I wrote this song about when the, when the marriage ended. And that was where I, I knew what intimacy was really like and what it felt like to lose it. And that's a tough thing. That's a tough thing. I think it's very hard in this world to get to that place where we can keep it. Get it? Hmm. All right. You think we're beating this horse to death? <laughs> All right. How about this? Perhaps with one of the flaws with education, because we were talking about schools, right? Mm-hmm. Perhaps one of the, the flaws of education is that there is an answer that we can arrive at, right? And I think like when we're in school, like there's definite answers in math, right? You're going to get to the right answer or the wrong answer. Yeah. In English, they kind of present it that this is what this is about and, and you know, that type of thing. I think that's one of the flaws with our education is we think that A there's always an answer to arrive at that's the same and B that everybody approaches education the same. People learn differently. Yeah. And sometimes with things like sex, the answer isn't the same with everybody. Definitely not. For some people it's marriage and for other people it ain't. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So, you know, like, uh, for instance, like some people would frame that the best type of sex is Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve. For some people, it's Adam and Steve, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Like this is the world we live in today. And and I'm not here to say that one way is right or the other way is wrong or any of that stuff. Um, but I do think that we have some big identity shit that's going on right now. Yeah. You know, and, and some of the kids that are having the ideas of identity sexually, fucking young, man. Yeah. Fucking young. Like they don't even know what they got yet. You know, um, me, if I could do it differently now than I did it, and I think I did it pretty good to be honest with you as a father. Um, but I think I would do it differently. Um, like, for instance, you know, I think a lot of times when we talk to kids, we talk to them like they're kids instead of like they're adults, you know? Yeah. Like, I think that, you know, like, I don't think I ever told my daughter what the vulva was. I don't think I ever used that word. You know what the vulva is? Yeah. Okay. I I don't even know if I knew it back then. But, you know, the difference between a vulva and a vagina, right? To yeah. actually use the language and not make it sound filthy or any of that stuff. And I think I didn't, I didn't always do it right. Cause I was maybe not comfortable. I was raising daughters, you know what I mean? Yeah. And as a dude, construction dude, I wasn't always comfortable with it because what I came up with was it was filthy, but I did try to talk about sex openly and all that kind of stuff. Cause I didn't want anybody to feel like it was filthy, Yeah. but you know, I think it's important to actually just have conversations when a kid is asking the question and I've always believed that they're ready for the answer. Yeah. And I think the kids are uncomfortable by having the, the talk too, you know, they might not be comfortable asking the questions, you know, so it's kind of on the parents' uh, responsibility to see like where the kid's at, you know, have other conversations before it gets to that point, you know, um, and build up to those conversations and make the kid feel comfortable to ask those questions, 
Because kids aren't going to, as soon as they turn 14, be like, yo, what's about sex? You know, tell me everything, dad. Tell me everything, mom. They're not going to feel comfortable. They feel weird about their bodies. Their bodies are changing. They're, they have feelings that they've never felt before. And, you know, so I think it's kind of on the parents to to kind of introduce the the idea of it's a normal conversation. It's a normal, not just about sex, but about everything, you know, um, to make the kid feel comfortable. Um, but I don't think a lot of homes do that. And I think that's where a lot of kids kind of get confused and I think a lot of in today's society, people are so scared about offending the confused people that it, we don't even talk about that, <laughs> which is insane to me. You know, the parents are going to accept their kids before they've even had the conversation of why they're confused mm. and what the, what that actually means. It's just wild, isn't it? <laughs> it is wild, man. You know what, though? I, I think... If I ever get the chance to be a grandparent, I'm going to be excited as a motherfucker. You know what I mean? Because I'm going to handle that shit a little bit better than I handled being a father. You know? Um, and probably because I've been a little bit more mature now than I was when I was a father. Not, not that I was fucking super young. Right? I was 30 when my daughter was born. Um, but I think, like, I think being a grandparent, it gives you a second chance to kind of see it differently and do it differently. Um, I wish that when I was raising my daughter that I had a a parent involved, you know, I didn't have that. Um, I had a parent that was disconnected from, from my child. Um, that was disconnected from me, you know? Um, so I didn't really fucking know what I was doing. I was just doing the best that I could at the time. But I think that now, like after raising kids, um, I think if I ever have a kid that has a kid, I'm going to be there and I'm going to do the best that I can to help frame this type of topic so that, um, so that their kids are a little bit better qualified to handle this. Yeah. That's my hope. Yeah. Yeah. This show is all about growth people, you know, and, um, and seeking some truth, right? Uh, our, our sexual power is a power. And I think that when you talk about something like OnlyFans, girls and things like that, they are using their their power, their sexuality, you know. But do we always use our power of our sexuality in a responsible way? I don't think so. <laughs> hmm. Who's in control when it comes to OnlyFans? I think the control is kind of misleading. You know, um, I honestly think it's the men still. Um, A lot of the females, they think that they have the control because they're the ones making money. They're the ones taking the pictures of the videos or whatever. But most of them, I'm not saying all of them, most of them are doing it because of how the guys make them feel. And their feelings are driving them to that behavior. You know, Um, they're doing those things because they think that that's all the men want or you know, um, that they're going to get something out of the men. You know, like I was saying earlier, my friend said, well, you know, guys are assholes to me, so why not sell my body? Why not get something out of it, you know? Mm. And I think in that situation, like she might think that she has a control now, but really it's because she's doing that because some guy made her feel that way. So really who has the control there? Is it her or is it him? And see, you know, one of the girls that I know that is an OnlyFan girl, um, 
I would say that she knows exactly what she's doing. And in our society of entertainment, me, I went to film school. And I, I think that a lot of entertainment is set for the male gaze, right? Um, when I was growing up, especially, like you never saw naked men in movies. You saw a lot of naked women, yeah. right? But over 85% of the people that work in film, even today, have been males, you know? And a lot of times the, one that had, the ones that had the money, right? That were the gatekeepers, like Madonna, right? Um, she slept her way into a record deal and things like that, but it was, it was men that controlled the money, you know? Um, so you, a lot of times get framed sexually. Um, but the men that, that basically made the record deals were making a lot more money than she did off of her sex. Yeah. Right. So an OnlyFans girl in some ways is able to control more of their money, you know? So there is some power in that. Definitely. Um, and and I can respect that, and I can I can get behind that, right? But the guys are giving them the power. Mm. You can have a you can have this little bit of power, but you have to entertain us. You know, it's. You think women watch OnlyFans? Yeah, definitely. Ooh, definitely. I mean, there's lesbians, there's bisexuals, there's all all kinds of people. You know what I'm saying? And there's guys that have OnlyFans too. You know. Really? Yeah. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can make some money. But I mean, it's mainly, it's mainly females, you yeah. know, just like in porn, it's mainly females, just like in TV, it's mainly females, you know? I think, I think when it comes down to it, women and men, um, this is just my opinion and it could be wrong. I think we, we experience sex differently in this way. Um, I think that for men, it's very much a visual mm -hmm. and, and for women, it's more about touch. And emotional. And emotion. Yeah. Um, and I think this is where, as a male, like, um, part of my responsibility is try to be aware of the language that women speak. And it isn't always verbal. Like, if I'm not paying attention to her body and what her body is telling me, I'm probably not going to have that spiritual connection. Definitely. You know? Um, and that's part of my responsibility is to be present. Right? Um and, and part of my responsibility is not trying to get to the orgasm, right? Like, <laughs> like that's not the whole point of the thing. And it's the journey. <laughs> it's the journey. Yeah. It's the journey, you know? Um, I don't know. I think I've learned a lot in my life when it came to sex, but um, it, it took a lot of work for me for, for the, for the third grade kid that started <laughs> with Hustler magazine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I never got diddled when I was a kid. Like I had a very normal childhood. I didn't have any bad sexual experiences. So I, I, I was able to go into sex, even though I was uninformed without, you know, trauma, you know what I mean? And I think that in our society today, there's a lot of people that can't say that. Yeah. Definitely. And I think it's not just women, it's, it's guys too, right? Definitely. Yeah. Um, but imagine starting off like at your age group, this learning about sex through porn, yeah. school, parents not talking, maybe getting traumatized by the actual act of sex somewhere along the line. It's like with all that against us, how the fuck are we supposed to have good sex? <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it is hard. And you don't really know where to begin. <laughs> Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit no that's probably not it don't listen to me <laughs> i'm fucking crazy 
But there was a responsibility with sex, right? Yeah. Who's responsible? Everyone that's involved. Everyone that's involved. Mm. Dissonance. You know what dissonance is? No. You know what harmony is? Yes. Okay. Dissonance is kind of the opposite of harmony. Hmm. Lack of harmony among musical notes is one of the definitions. But here's another definition if you keep reading in, in dissonance. The tension or clash resulting from the combination of two disharmonious or unsuitable elements. Hmm. Now, if you, if you think about balance as far as in our spiritual life, right? Harmony is a type of balance. Yeah. When, when two people come together, they harmonize, yeah. right? That spiritual connection with sex, right? It flows back and forth. I think we're in a state of dissonance. I think we're in a state of dissonance when it comes to sex in our society today, that there is a tension and often the clash when, when two disharmonious or unsuitable people come together. You know, it's like if, yeah. we, if we don't have a healthy perspective of our bodies, if we don't have a healthy perspective of our responsibility with sex, if we don't have a healthy respective, uh, perspective of our partner, right? If, yeah. if me as a male doesn't see... Um, women in a healthy way as a partner, yeah. right? Um, and same goes with women, you know? Yeah. Um, if they don't see us as partners. Then it starts off in a bad place. It starts off in a bad place. And how can we reach harmony? You can't. You can't. And if you continue, then it just gets worse and more toxic, you know? And then if you don't try, then there's no practice. There's no getting better, you know? And let's say we're two disharmonious people that come together because we're hot for one another. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of like that song, Shove, <laughs> that, that's basic of this song. Yeah. And let's say those two people have a kid. What then? I think that you have to work your best to become harmonious in your own way, I guess. Maybe harmonious? Not in, harmonious. <laughs> in, in your own way. Maybe not the way that you anticipated before, you know, and not working out. But I think there has to be some sort of rhythm to be, I wouldn't say a family because they're not together anymore, but kind of a family, you know, even though you might not understand that other person a hundred percent, I think you should understand them at least, you know, maybe 10% because you had something beautiful with them. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to find your own rhythm within your dysfunction, which I know sounds impossible, but I mean, you made the decision to have a kid. So clearly you guys are on a same wavelength at one point, you know, and I think that that it's something that you have to work at with that person. Oh, yeah. Well, I think we're going to wrap this motherfucker up, but it, it's a big topic. And I actually want to get another woman on this on this actual topic. Um, I usually only cover a song a week. Um, I think we're going to actually extend this thing into two weeks because it's such a big topic. And and the next song is going to be different than this topic. And I, <laughs> you know, as I started to do my research, I realized how important it is to spend a little bit of time on this. And, and I appreciate you being here and giving me a woman's perspective. It's 22 from your age group. I appreciate you having me here. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so tell everybody your name one more time. My name is Phoenix. And I'm Curious G, and this was Truth to Power. 
Rob, this song here, this was one that you actually had. And this is the ironic thing about this song. You had the music for this ahead of time, yes. right? Shove. Yes. Um, yes. Now, here's the thing about this song. I think I've mentioned this to you one time before. I think this is the weakest song we've done. Not necessarily your music, but what? but but the way that I hit the microphone on in the studio, right? I don't think I ever fully... Uh, owned this one. Um, really? Yeah. And I think I fell in love with this one because everything matched up. You had the music ahead of time, right? Like right. Th this is not right. something we built for this song. And it, f it felt good as far as the tone of the music, right? Like it right. felt like what matched up and it, uh -huh. and your verses and your course lined up perfectly to the lyrics i mean we didn't change the beat or anything like it just well, there was no structuring of this it was none, perfect dude and none. The, yeah in the vocal sample it was exactly what you were talking about on it it was like it was meant to be so it, it just <laughs> slipped in like a, a comfortable shoe at first you know what i mean but but then right. i got to the studio and for whatever reason like i i recorded it exactly the way i wanted to but every time I listen to it, it just doesn't hit me right. And really, yeah. And here's the thing: I don't think that we did anything wrong. I, <laughs> I think it was the character that I was in. Like, and now I can't see it any other way. Um, one mm. of the reasons is this is one of the oldest lyrics I have. This and money, right? Like they right. go back to when I actually knew my first wife. And sometimes things fit together so perfectly, but aren't meant to be. And, and this song actually, that, that describes my first wife completely, is that statement. Sometimes things fit together perfectly, but just aren't right. So you're telling me that Shove was the perfect song, actually, Sean. <laughs> well, you know, like it, it kind of felt like it. You know, like it felt like it, but every time I listen to it, it's my least favorite song that we've done. And that's crazy. So I don't know if I ever told you this story, but I was hanging out with this black dude that I worked with. And there was, there was about 30 of mm -hmm. us that came from our job. We're in Daytona. It's bike week. It's party time. We got three truckloads of people. I'm in my twenties right, right, right. and I'm partying, bro. And I'm coming out of the, uh, this convenience store, with this black dude named lawyer. And he mm -hmm. goes, Hey brother love, man, would you ever fuck with that? about this girl, you know, and he pointed at my soon to be wife, right? Now, what you got to know is she had just turned 18. I thought she was beautiful. You know what I mean? When her hair is long, she looked like Scarlett Johansson back then, right? A young version of Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Just knock him dead. But she had just turned 18 and she was a wild one, right? She had a mohawk. She had a ring in her nose, like not on the side, but like the, the, like, what is that where they put the fucking bull nose like thing through there? The septum piercing. Yeah. I think it is, yeah. Or... She just yeah. had that. She had a little fucking tattoo yep. going on her arm. Yeah. And dude, yeah. she was sexy looking, but you know, <laughs> my friend brother, he wasn't into that shit. Right. He, he had other kinds of, of interests, you know? And I said to him, I said, man, I would marry that girl. First time I ever saw her. Right. So, we go off. We, I don't even talk to her. 
We go off. Later on that day, we're riding around in the back of a pickup, and I'm with my buddy RJ, and we're passing mm-hmm. around a joint in the back of this this fucking truck. It's it's bike week. Everybody's partying, right? It's beachside right. in Daytona. And I see her again, and she had changed clothes, and now she was wearing something lacy and something sexy. And I said to RJ, man, that's the chick I was telling you about that I said I would marry. I said, is she fine or what? Now, RJ was a different dude than lawyer, right? This dude was like a, like a hippie type. Type dude, like he's probably a deadhead, you know, dreads in the right, hair, all right. that shit. Right. Or he's like, oh yeah, man, I'd fuck with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I still didn't talk to her, bro. Hours later, I'm down in the boardwalk, right off the beach, right, and I'm, as the kids say, I'm a little bit faded, right? I'm feeling it, <laughs> <laughs> a little turned up, huh? Yeah, a turned up. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm just eating a slice of pizza, and out of nowhere. Maya walks right up to my ass and asks me for my phone number. I didn't know who the fuck she was. And I don't know, maybe one of my friends put her up to it. I I'd never even thought to ask her about this shit all to this day. You know what I mean? But I know she walked right up to me and, and was like, what's up? And, you know, that was where our friendship began was that day. Um, I think we got married about a year and a half later, maybe two years later, something like that. And it was yeah. just it was just like this song. It fit so nice, but something just wasn't right. You know? Something just wasn't right. Yeah. Yeah, just something wasn't right. Because not everything fits is meant to be, brother. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, though, it surprised me uh, when I sent you off. This is when we first started uh, earlier in our professional relationship, and I was sending you beats just because I think Voodoo was one I just sent over to you. Uh, this was one, and I was I was actually surprised you picked this one. I was like, really? Because at the time, our first couple records, let's let's be real, they were pretty damn aggressive, right, Sean? They were pretty aggressive records, and this was like lo-fi, smooth, take me higher to the moon, like very romanticized hip hop, right? You it, know was, what I mean? it was. It was. When you pick this one out. I was like, really? You're like, yeah, no, that one, that one, the moon joint, moon 84. That's what it was originally called. Yeah. Moon 84. Yeah, yeah. You're like that one, that, that beat. I was like, okay. And then you like hit me up like the next day or something spit over. I was like, wow, that works. And it, it was structured perfect. Like your verses, your hooks, every, it was like, like you said, it was meant to be, but apparently now that you hear the song, this is, this is the first time I'm hearing this. You don't like, <laughs> you don't like how you delivered it. Well, like, this, wow. this is, I think our weakest song. And, that's you know, crazy. that's just the way I feel about it. I mean, you got to have one, w- you know, when, eventually. When I, was, when I was putting this episode together, though, uh, or the episode last week where Shove was the outro song, that was the first time song, or Sean, I had heard this song in a long time. Like, I always go back to our older records, but this was the first time I think I heard it in months, Sean. I was like, I almost forgot about this one. I was like, wow. I didn't think your delivery was bad on it at all. Dude, what are you, what are you hearing here? It's, it's, like, the, it's the character. It's the character. Mm. Like, it just didn't really kind of fit. You know what I mean? Mm. And I don't think it's a bad song. It's my least favorite. It's my least favorite. You know what I mean? That's like saying that's my least favorite Charlie Angel. You know what I mean? No, for sure. They're all good. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like you wouldn't kick her out of bed unless you wanted to fuck on the floor. But still. For for sure. (laughs) It's it's just just crazy because when, uh, like I was saying, when I put this... This song at the end of last week's podcast, um, when I was in post, I was like, I almost, it's not like I forgot about it, Sean. It was just like so different 
it's still different than anything we've ever done though, musically. Would well, you say we're, it is? We're closing in on fifty some tracks right now, man. We're we're right, and none of them sound like this song though, because a lot of our stuff we have we have experimental stuff, we got synth heavy stuff, we got house stuff, EDM stuff, hardcore rap stuff, trap stuff. But this is this the only lo-fi midnight cruising nighttime dwelling reminiscing track we actually have sean it is you i would know what i, mean? I was, would say i would say yeah so. and when i played it i was like wow this was refreshing like i was like wow and and now i find out that my colleague is like this is the worst song we've ever made i was like i kind of well, liked it dude <laughs> and, and i do kind of like it here and there when i listen to it you know what i mean right but it's just, it's just something doesn't feel right to me but that's okay you know what i mean like and I, now that now that you now that you showed me the backstory though it fits you know what I mean? It, it fits the music exactly does, yeah, yeah. What happened? And that's freaking crazy. And Sean will tell you he didn't meant to do that, man. But he's a pretty meticulous guy. You meant to do that, didn't you, man? I, well, <laughs> so this is why I picked the music for this, is because there is a softer element to the whole story of Shove, right? Right. And and but at the same time, like the the lyrics are not. Um, the soft side, you know, I'm coming right. out of a heartbreak and I'm like, love got dirty with me. I wanted to get dirty with love and have somebody's face in a pillow and be angry and shit. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right, right. <laughs> which is kind of fucked up, but that's kind of where I was. And I think we all have been there when our heart is broken. You know what I mean? Um, but I will say this is that experience, um, it shaped who I am today in a way, because when Lynn and I ended after 18 years, I didn't want to have a negative, um, interaction with any women anymore. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to keep, uh, like I wanted to look for the next right one. And I thought, well, I need to be friends with every woman I come across now. You know what I mean? I didn't want to get back into that shove mindset. Where I'm, I'm just looking to smash some ass. You know what I'm saying? I want to. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, it's just crazy to me. Um, like when I heard when I heard the song after so long, I was like, "Wow, Sean got real smooth on this." And you were talking about some heavy ass shit on it, but it, I, it, it was just, it, it just put me back how smooth that was. That that song was compared to how aggressive some of our records are. You know what I mean? I was oh like, yeah. Wow. It's almost like a different side of uh, Curious G, you know what I mean, on the mic. <laughs> well, you know, I could be soft sometimes, but um, this song really lyrically wasn't that song. But it does. I, I wanted to match up that that the lyrics with the song that the music wasn't like that. You know what I mean? Right. Like I like right. irony. There's a few songs right. that we do that has a lot of irony in it. It does. You know, and I like that shit. Um, you know, I used to I used to have a little fucking punk song called Tired, right? Yeah. And the music was anything but tired. It'll make you bounce. You know what I mean? But the whole song is about right. all the shit that I'm tired of. You know what I mean? Um, and I like that kind of stuff. Like, it offsets things. From, from Shove, what would be, if you had to look back at the lyrics and stuff, what would be your favorite or your most meaningful couple lines or stanza or uh, from it that... that, that that really stand out to you when you go back and like reflect on making that record? Well, I didn't, I didn't really, um, I already talked about this with, uh, Lisa when we recorded our, the, the, our podcast segment, but yes. you know, if I were to put it in, um, these terms again, um, there's a line in there where I say, let me in or where 
I feel like she has this fear, right? So it says it seemed mm-hmm. like in the dark, the fear controlled her. And then I'm responding right. to that fear. Let me in, right. baby. I'm lost out here. I'm getting bolder. Just like intimacy when good sex is over. You know, because because mm. the good sex was over. And then it kind of goes on. And I didn't say this when, when Lisa was there. Um, was it all just some face we made to face each other? Some games we played to pull some lovers? So, you know, I kind of feel like sometimes we pretend to be one thing just to get somebody in the bed, maybe, you know, and the head games that we play and these games that we play, you know, with our, our, our dating lives and our sex, you know, but it's kind of like, um, what was that comedian that said he fooled himself? (laughs) You know what I mean? He fooled himself. Yeah. I fooled myself. Tired of fighting the good fight, game of love, these wall fences of way the way we come fake to another it's like we're afraid to say what we feel betrayed numbers called up have you ever noticed that people don't talk enough about jerking off sure i suppose it would be weird with a stranger on the city bus but shouldn't we talk to our own kids about the old after school special when girls were young were they sure how to bait the hook? Oh, and for the boys, manual override. Kids are often not sure if they should do it, when to do it, how often to do it, and the big one, where. Jimmy, get away from the window. Stop hiding in the curtains. Why are you covered in mayonnaise? Look, I'm not saying it should be the first topic over breakfast at Bible camp. So what am I saying? How do young adults figure out how to play Lone Ranger? Nowadays, I guess it's all online porn. But do we really want Junior poaching the egg to the sex you find in porn? I know, we're all in some kind of imagination depression with so much screen time. Still, masturbation helps to stimulate this too. How did my generation learn in the pre-internet jerk-off challenge days? We had to learn firsthand. That is why we say firsthand. It was our first. I mean, who taught you? Well, maybe you shared a room with an older brother. But even then, did you watch? What if, while your brother continued his whack job, he's watching you? Would you inquire about technique? A tutorial, if you will. I mean, what's the protocol? It's fucking weird, right? It's not just me. How many guys out there had that uncle excited to help? The uncle that we thought was super cool until we turned like 14. And then we began to realize he's like 43 and somehow we have the same interests. I'm just saying. You would share a room with Unc when sleeping over because really it would be A little bit more weird to sleep in his mother's room. Especially knowing that she frequently paddles the pink canoe. 
And Aunt Tutantina tells you that she wants you to watch. But here you are in your uncle's room. Maybe you had too much cake. I don't know how you did it. Me? I learned by accident. On the living room couch. In broad daylight. There I was. Watching the prices right. Somehow, it just sort of happened. <laughs> my first time exercising my rights. Honestly, I was reaching climax and I thought I just broke my dick. <laughs> well, and then I was stuck with the mess and a smile. I sat dumbfounded, my wrinkled Lincoln in my hand. Somehow embarrassed that my cat was staring at me. I didn't like being watched by the fucking cat. Made me feel like a sicko. <laughs> I got even. I smeared my hand into his fur. Fuck him. He's a cat. Go take a fucking bath, you prick. But there I was, in shock. Shriveled. Cock shock. All the living room curtains were wide open. It was an accidental afternoon delight. I felt a bit guilty, though. You see, I was raised going to church, and although I wasn't really sure it was wrong, because I never really paid that much attention on Sunday, but somehow, suddenly, I just felt like my cat wasn't the only one watching. Did I just raise a little hell and smear it all over the family cat? Who could be sure? But where do children learn? Should it be in the talk? Or should we trust the porn industry to shape our views of sex and sexuality for both men and women? Or should we turn to someone from the church excited to help? I mean, they really do love working with kids. However, if you look in the book of Leviticus, there's a list of sexual taboos. And I really never saw jerking off in there. Hmm, let's see what they have. Don't sleep with other people's spouses. Didn't say we couldn't think about them as we engage in safe sex self-help for dummies. Oh, and taboo too. Don't fuck animals. <laughs> Good tip. Why anyone really needs to put that in the Bible is a bit creepy. Oh, and then there's don't pork members of the same sex. Personally, I think that's hogwash. I really don't know anybody it really hurts. Well, except for maybe a few fucks in prison. But fuck them. They're in prison. Don't talk. Don't tell. Shh. You'll figure it out on your own. Just like I did. And I turned out swell. So here's the deal. This episode is, as I've mentioned, going to be a two-part episode. We will not be releasing a regular song this week. We've got a little something different. Check it out. 
Then Almitra spoke again and said, What of marriage, Master? And he answered, saying, You were born together, and together you shall be forevermore. You shall be together when the white wings of death scatter your days. Ah, you shall be together even in the silent memory of God. But let there be spaces in your togetherness, and let the winds of heavens dance between you. Love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your soul. Fill each other's cup, but drink not from one cup. Give one another of your bread, but not eat from the same loaf. Sing and dance together and be joyous, but let each one of you be alone. Even as the strings of the lute are alone, though they quiver with the same music. Give your hearts, but not into each other's keeping, for only the hand of life can contain your heart. Stand together, yet not too near together, for the pillars of the temple stand apart, and the oak tree and the cypress grow, not in each other's shadow. Excerpt from the Prophet by Khalil Gibran, 1922.